2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL,
0: America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
2: All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. And later on today, Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager to talk about PFFs, quarterback rankings but courtney you and i are fresh off another mike zimmer press conference and he was in full mike zimmer form today he was honest and straightforward about how he feels about several positions on this team some matter more than others let's say depth corner matters and number three quarterback doesn't let's just say that to start um let's just go down through this thing and talk about what stuck out to us because Zimmer did shed light on a lot of situations and the one that stuck out to me the most was wide receiver where he basically said yeah we're having just as much trouble as you guys figuring out who the receivers are going to be.
0: Well it's interesting Uh, you definitely got the whole gamut from Mike Zimmer today kind of going across the board uh, really giving his true and honest opinion on several position battles, and I remember asking him a few weeks ago about the backup wide receiver battle, like for positions, let's say, four through six, if they decide they want to keep six. Usually special teams factored into that, and at that time he said, well, it all, special teams always has, if you can do more, then that's great, but I, I want to see guys who can catch the ball. Like, it's be receiver first, and right. now it's kind of like, well hope some of these guys can play special teams because they're kind of SOL in certain areas. And I think that, um, the fact that he said that there's so much inconsistency and that like, you know, one day somebody might have a really good practice and then they catch, you know, four passes for 47 yards in a game. And then the next day they don't show up. Um, it's very hard to discern what's going on with this group and very similar to the way that he views his young defensive backs. Like, Those two positions are very alike in the way that they are coming together, which means very slowly and no one is standing out.
2: Yeah, and that was one of the things that we went into training camp hoping to find answers on, which would be who's going to be number three, number four, number five receiver, who's going to be the backups if Xavier Rhodes gets hurt with Holton Hill suspended for eight games and it's sort of unclear if Holton Hill will even be on this team after what happened now the Mike other night. Now Mike
0: suspended for a ninth game. We're oh, still man. waiting to see about the hit on Paxton Lynch. Uh,
2: I mean, just I, I called it the other night Strike 7 with yeah. Holton Hill. I mean, this is just uh, kind of gotten out of control a little bit with Holton Hill of the things that are piling up against him. And even if there are some people around the league who think, oh, uh, you know, come on, that's a little unfair on that hit where it's in fast motion, everything else, you just can't be thrown out of a game if you're Holton Hill. You've got to be smarter than that. You, you can't that penalty. You're not even on
0: thin ice. It's like right? you're literally walking in the icy water. In water right now, and it's up to your ears. Like, it's just not a good situation for him whatsoever, and... I think just what Mike Zimmer said, Like let's st- stick with defensive backs here, um, it's going to be a really tough situation because right now the backup for Nickel is wide open because I don't know if B'nai Benwickery is really grasping the position. I refuse uh, to
2: acknowledge that B'nai Benwickery is a real person. Well, I'm, he I'm is. sorry. He's
0: on this team and he, uh, <laughs> you know, if he does end up being here, Mike Zimmer says that he believes he'll be the backup Nickel, but... In no way, shape, or form is that battle decided. And think about the other night. They may not trust Chris Boyd. I I think that that's part of it because he was back at practice. It's not like he's hurt right now. He barely played. Duke Thomas took his snaps. Um, I believe Nate Meters was out there too. We've seen nothing from Craig James in these games after kind of some of the early OTA minicamp hype about him. None of of these guys... Was that just me? Were you hyping Craig James?
2: Maybe a little. Maybe I'm, I said he's a guy to watch who might make the team.
0: I think that there was who was, some, who
2: was hyping Craig James? I
0: think Zimmer had some good things to say about him if I'm okay. not Maybe. mistaken. Maybe. like I'm gonna say great things, but they expected more from this group. a team that once had all this cornerback depth mm-hmm. um, and just disappeared like within like a snap of your fingers, and now it's like we just want somebody to show something. And yeah, he's still talking about some of the blown coverages the other night. I think, you know, that third and 17 with Mackenzie Alexander was, you know, not a great look. But like beyond that, it's a lot of the young corners who don't know what they're doing.
2: Who's the most ridiculous player since you've been here that has been hyped in any way by anyone? And I don't mean Twitter because they hype really senseless people. But I mean. I mean, coaches, other interviews, people you've talked to. The the one that you either walked away at that moment or ultimately ended up being like, why were we even talking about this guy? I've got several answers. Well,
0: here. George Iloka, to yes. no fault of yes. his own. God bless Poor him. for George. We um, love George. He was wonderful. So but nice. He was supposed to come in and become the you know the safety opposite uh, Harrison Smith. That happened, Tremaine Brock, what the heck that was? Yeah. I have no clue
2: he was um, definitely on a team here.
0: he was on a team. I think he played. I can't even keep a straight face when I if, talk about that if but. i
2: go I guess if I go deeper, there's Isaac Frickty hype that happened, and that's why I picked him Mr. Mankato at one point there's also uh, Edmund Robinson hype I mean. Hercules Mataafa might ultimately yeah. end up falling in this category because Anton Exum. Might Oh yeah, that's right. Another oh, he could one. play nickel. He could play nickel. Down. Although Anton is succeeding in San Francisco as a player and a hip hop artist, hip-hop if hip-hop I artist, understand yep. from his PR emails that we still get. Um, aside from that, let's talk about Mataafa for a second sure. here. Your pick for Mister Mancato hasn't is. really done much. Neither has mine. Alexander Madison. He's going to win a job, but uh, okay. There, there is no Mr. Mankato right now. Like it doesn't exist.
0: I had to do. I had to file an assignment the other day of like ESPN calls it Mr. Training Camp. So I guess that um, they're not doing it. Mr. Like, Mankato
2: way, way catchier. I think
0: it's much better. Um, I picked BC Johnson at that point because that was before the second preseason game. And right, he and then he does camp. nothing. He does nothing. So it all circles back to Mike Zimmer's point of. Guys are not consistent out there. No one's had a consistently good training camp outside of your starters. And that's a problem when you're trying to fill out the rest of your roster into the question that you asked them. All right, do you go into these situations knowing, okay, we want to keep a certain number at this position, or do you just wait to like shake out what the talent looks like? Well, it's probably going to be more so, I would think, of the latter because – There's 10 defensive linemen you could probably keep if you're throwing Armand Watts in there. Um, On my 53 at the start of camp, I had nine because they just never go that heavy up front. Yep. But given how bad some of the depth looks at receiver, your defensive backs, um, you may opt to go heavy in certain places just because it's a numbers game and not, you know, be heavy up front if you have to, and you your cornerback, your defensive back depth may suffer because you just don't have guys who can play. Yeah,
2: and and I've got a piece uh, on what PFF's numbers have said about the first two games that we're going to go over a little later in the show, um, and one of them is about Armin Watts, who's been sure. actually quite good.
0: He looked okay. He had the half sack the other night. Yeah,
2: he's, I think, making his case to have one of those roster spots. But now here's, here's my bigger picture question here. So we go into camp and we think, all right, someone, as I believe Kevin Stefanski said, is going to, quote, flash at some point. We're going to see somebody become that Mr. Mankato. It's going to happen. It's going to be a receiver. It's going to be a corner. It's going to be a defensive lineman who gets a bunch of sacks or something. This will happen. We're sure of it. It has not happened yet so far. My question is, is that a problem?
0: Yeah, because your starters can't always play every single snap of every single game. For obvious reasons, then there's injuries, then there's a host of other things you have to worry about. You need depth pieces, and outside of running back and tight end, can you think of any other position in linebacker that, and I I include kind of like the offensive defensive lines are what they are, but... Any of the other skill positions, guys who make plays on the ball, can you think of any of the other ones that actually stand out to you? I mean, B.C. Johnson has had flashes, but not consistently. It's really just Chad Beebe has had flashes, but not consistently. He ran the wrong route the other night. There was miscommunication on it. Yeah. there's there's so many issues, I think, with just like the younger guys on this team not being able to solidify themselves. And you wonder, is it going to take till the fourth preseason game? To, like, is that game going to actually matter here? Because uh, it might. And determining, it will. like, the fact that you don't know now and there's 12, 11 days now until roster cutdowns, that's a problem. Yeah,
2: yeah. I. Are we going to have to actually really pay close attention to that game? I mean, we always pay attention, but the fourth preseason game is the one where we're like, okay, can we get this one over with? I mean, you're here? looking
0: at like special teams very closely in that fourth preseason game because that's going to determine roster spots for guys if they can't play the position um, at like an, a high level. Like then it's going to be like, all right. Well, can special teams factor into so and so making the fifty-three? The fact that it's going to come down to that, I think, is kind of worrisome for this team as they go into the season.
2: Um, okay, so now here's another part two of that question. So which area is the biggest problem for not having anyone show up? Because usually when you look at, let's let's just do this by Vegas line. Let's say that Xavier Rhodes is hurt in a game. Uh, that happens occasionally. Is Vegas moving the line at all for Xavier Rhodes? No. Are they moving it for, let's say, I don't know, Kyle Rudolph? No, probably not. And they have good tight end depth, so that's not really that big of an issue. But I think about this in terms of where would it actually impact wins and losses if they didn't have very good depth. And I tend to think the secondary would be the place. Yeah. Because, okay, so Rhodes goes down, the Vegas line doesn't move. But if Rhodes and Mackenzie Alexander have to miss a game, then all of a sudden you're talking about playing some pretty poor defensive backs.
0: Well, think about the New England game last year. Marcus Sherrill's playing. Marcus Sherrill's getting targeted immediately upon going into the game. And I believe that it was... um, I think that was like a touchdown right away. I mean, that's that's a situation you run into if you have to have a Chris Boyd or um, any of these other young corners that are probably going to make the team just because it's a numbers game and you're not sure when Mike Hughes is going to return, Holton's out for eight or nine games. Um, unless you're going to trade for somebody in – they're not really in a spot to do that right now, um, considering like what the what the asking price is for for Trey Waynes. That you know the rest of their cornerback depth. I mean, kind of like get in line behind some of the for some of the other uh, spots that they might try to fill. It's not a good situation for them to be in. Um, and the fact that they haven't gotten it figured out. I mean, all offseason we talked about. Yeah, Hughes is not going to be back anytime soon. What are they going to do for the first corner off the bench? They haven't figured that out. I mean, it does not come to fruition through training camp, but I don't know when it's going to.
2: Okay, so what is a bigger concern for you, though? The the depth in the secondary or the fact that they have no one right now who you would actually believe could get to the passer on third down rushing from the interior? Because you asked Mike Zimmer about Stephen Weatherly, and he – was a little bit hesitant to praise yeah. him lining up over guards. I mean But he's that, gonna
0: have to. He is like, going that's, to have that's to, that yeah. thing. Like when you don't have great depth with your tackles, like the fact that Stephen Weatherly like played standing up in college, I think helps him. Um but it's not really a great sign. I still think that your back end, given like this is a passing league, I mean yeah you need to pressure the quarterback and you're gonna have a rotation at so many of those spots on like key third downs. I still think your your back end is going to be the more critical part in in stopping you know limiting big plays and stopping opposing quarterbacks and taking away what teams do really well um and to me that's what you would need to address more so uh because you can If there's nine or ten guys, just keep a rotation fresh. Maybe they actually do this year. I mean, We talked about that so many years. Um, Maybe they do have a defensive line rotation where it's eight or nine guys this year. Might not be a great one, but maybe it is the case just because it's a numbers game.
2: Well, this is what it comes down to for me, is that I think the expectation, reasonably so, of this defense is that they'll be in the top five in the NFL again. And Mike Zimmer's teams have always been in the top half of the league. The last time that his team was—his defense was— not in the top half of the league was 2007 with Atlanta. And that's when Michael Vick got arrested and Bobby Petrino left and all hell broke Mm -hmm. loose. So we know that he's going to be able to at least scheme and coach his team to being top half, but, As we see, it's it's a very difficult thing because we see the offense looking like it should, looking like it could put up a lot more points than it did last year, but then on the defensive side, there are just a lot of, I don't want to call them red flags or warning signals, but maybe just things off in the distance that could get close very quick, right? Like if you can't pressure the quarterback up the middle because you let Sheldon Richardson go, then that's going to be a problem. If if you're playing Shamar Steffen on every first down and other teams know that first down passing is a better idea than running, well, how much is that really helping you? If someone gets hurt or Xavier Rhodes doesn't play well or Trey Waynes gets hurt or Harrison Smith gets hurt, like your depth is really poor. So it looks to me like this could kind of... I don't want to say spiral out of control, but it could become a thing that the offense actually has to overcome, and then that's going to be on Kirk Cousins. So weirdly, some of the defensive depth issues are are going to affect the offense. They all circle back to, can the quarterback overcome
0: some nights where maybe the defense isn't at its best? And that's not a situation I think you want to put Kirk Cousins in for for what this offense is right now. And Mike Zimmer commented on how he liked the fact against Seattle where there were some run-blocking issues, but they stuck with it. Um, And that was really important that that they didn't just bail out of the run like they did so many times in 2018. But your defense is a security blanket. Every quarterback likes playing with a good defense, and Kirk really is never outside of last year, has never played with a great defense. Um, and you saw what that yielded for him in Washington. So if it's the same situation here where he's being asked to put this team on his shoulders um, in really critical moments where the defense might you know, give up a really big play and, and then it becomes a, you know, a tie game or uh, a really close game and then Kirk's asked to go win it, I don't know if that's a situation that you want to find yourself in because just from the sample size we've seen here in Minnesota, he's not really able to do that very well.
2: Um so an interesting stat from Steve Palazzolo of Pro Football Focus yesterday on Twitter. He had the winning percentage of quarterbacks when their team allows more than 21 points. And it's really interesting, you know, the quarterback win loss thing gets debated a lot. Tom Brady wins 56% of his games when his defense allows 21 or more points which no no surprise there he's number one all time but this is kind of like a little bit of a test of how good your quarterback is at overcoming these things and it's all the best it's Brady number one Peyton Manning Aaron Rodgers Andrew Luck Drew Brees Phil Rivers Ben Roethlisberger Russell Wilson are the only guys above 30% winning percentage when that happens so the likelihood that Cousins will be able to overcome bad defensive performances is actually pretty low and that's where it becomes very important that this defense stays healthy. And, and, and that's not, there's no, like, opinion there. It's just, in terms of
0: luck, you better have that. Well, that's what, I mean, could you have really relied on Case Keenum in 2017 if the defense didn't stay healthy? I mean, they were so lucky that they were not, like, marred with injury until really late in the season, when they didn't when they no-showed in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. Like... Think of that had happened at any other point during the season. Are they even at that game? I don't believe so.
2: No, definitely not. It was, I mean, health went way into that. Who they played went way into that. And being a number one defense set up Case Keenum in a lot of short fields, and that's part of the reason he didn't put up outrageous passing numbers. And the same thing went for Teddy Bridgewater when they played. It wasn't as good as 2017, but that went into the stats. And then what you needed was efficient quarterback play. I think this year they might need more spectacular quarterback play that when they've won in the past and gotten to the playoffs in the past, it's been on great defense, and does your quarterback play efficiently? Does he hit on third downs? Does he not turn the ball over? Case Keenum almost never turned the ball over that year. That's different from his entire career, but that year he didn't. And even last year, Cousins didn't turn the ball over a ton as much as it was a major focus um, in comparison to his dropbacks. He didn't turn it over at some outrageous rate or anything. But uh, the times that he was asked to win a shootout or something like that, it just it didn't happen in Los Angeles when the defense isn't playing its best. They come up short with a fumble at the end and things like that. And, and that's why this offense being smarter designed and better now I think has a little more of the pressure because if you don't have depth at any of these positions, guys always get hurt on defense. Every defense in the league – And it's just hard to see them being at the very top again.
0: I mean, it was an anomaly in 2017 that your starters didn't get. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's something that I think we need to factor in as to why they were the number one defense. Like they were, they had guys together for 16 games. They really did not deal with any sort of injury until like the postseason. Um, So I tend to think, I mean, the depth here defensively these next two weeks, you're going to be looking to see, okay, situational pass rush. I mean, we saw a little bit of Weatherly mixing in on third down, Armand Watts getting, you know, an interior push and getting that half sack, uh, Hercules Mataafa. I think they want to see if he doesn't wear out. Um, that's why they played him most of the game against Seattle. So figure out your defensive line depth, um, linebacker, you're fine. Like it would be great if some of those linebackers could play safety or play corner, but they can't. Um, so that's an issue, but, I'm kind of at a loss right now thinking about how this is going to shape out at at the defensive back spots because you just have guys who have no experience and it's a lot of up and down play. I mean, Marcus Epps has two interceptions in the same practice and then can't secure a fumble that's six inches away from his face. Like things like that are a problem. Um
2: He's been disappointing to me.
0: Yeah, I just I mean, but were you really expecting much from a sixth round safety? Like for real? No,
2: no. But I just thought early on, it's with all of these guys, we thought, oh, maybe you know he's kind of interesting or whatever. And then just I looked
0: at Boyd and said, this is a liability. Yeah, yeah, I looked at him and said, this is a liability. And I drafting
2: do- Holton Hill's friends, maybe yes, not the best. I idea. do not.
0: I do not think they could trust him. I, I, he's not hurt, so to me, it tells me either you're not proficient enough technically mm-hmm. to play the position, which that's a problem. Or, number two, they just do not trust to put you out there, that you're going to make a big mistake that's going to be costly in games. So that's huge. Um, You better hope that, you know, to me, when we talk about Trey Waynes, and I brought him up earlier and just kind of uh, what you're hearing around the league is, from the Vikings at least, like get in line if you want this guy. And I know that you and I have talked about compensation and some of it being a little ridiculous. There's no way that they can trade him right now. No, 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 Like There's just no no way. No, Um, they need him. They need him. They need Xavier Rhodes to stay healthy. They need Mackenzie Alexander to play really well. Because until Mike Hughes comes Mm -hmm. back, you do not want any of these young guys, um, you know, rookies to, you know, guys who have been in the league for two, three years, like Duke Thomas. You don't want them playing because they're not going to yield the same output, which we know. But they might not even close. But they might make. Such a costly mistake that it's it could decide you know a score or even the game.
2: It almost makes you a little surprised that they didn't sign one of those more proven veterans, other than B'nai Benwickery, who again I'm not sure is a real person. Um, you know, uh, Skandrick and Mo Claiborne, yeah. Maybe they didn't want to sign here? Or well, maybe I mean, Mo right. is
0: suspended for the first four oh, games right. of yeah. the season, so maybe they're like, nah, we don't need yeah. another Holton Hill situation. Okay,
2: uh, when we return, I have some pro football-focused stats that are interesting, including one that might be a big concern, and I want to get your take on this because a few people have asked me a, a certain question about the offensive line. And then also, I, I've got one wide receiver name, and you'll tell me if you're interested in this wide receiver, potentially for the Vikings, because I think they're very much going to be in the market for receivers when cuts come down. We'll take a quick break. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Quick reminder: make sure that you download the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, give us a rating—five stars preferred. But you know, if you're maybe a big Kyle Sloter fan, maybe at least four stars. Do I do I get a do I get a star off for that?
0: If People, if the coach agreed with you.
2: It, it's really wild out there, Courtney, on Twitter.com. The people who think that they can scout Kyle Sloter by watching preseason games versus Gary Kubiak. And I'll just read what Mike Zimmer, so then we can be yeah. past this. Because to me, this is, it's over. This is Mike Zimmer slamming the door on Kyle Sloter as the number two quarterback today in his press conference. Here's what he said uh, He said, Kyle Sloter, he's got to be better uh, in a lot of other parts of being quarterback, that's other than the games, he means. Uh Making the right checks, getting people in the right formation, making sure the motion is there, not missing the time clock when it's eight yards in front of you. There are a lot of things he has to get better at if he wants to be the backup quarterback. So that's it. I'm done. It's over. That's it. Zimmer said... Right there, that he has a long way to go if he wants to be the backup. He has taken no second-team reps. It's been all Sean Mannion, and Sean Mannion has played fine. Aside from a pick-six that's not his fault, that B.B. stops on the route, Sean Mannion has played fine. He knows how to play actual NFL quarterback, so he's the backup. It's over. I'm not talking about it Yeah, anymore. I mean,
0: there is no competition here. I know that he's looked good in some preseason games. What I would urge people in this cult following of his to do um, realize who he's playing against. He's playing against third stringers. Laquan Treadwell looked decent last uh, two nights ago because he was playing against a third string defense. Like, we need to consider all the facts here before you make such a rash decision to say he should be in contention for the number two job. Don't you think he would have already be, been able to do that by now? Yes, they've kept, in my opinion, they have held on to him far too long because... Front office doesn't want to look like they messed this up and they overpaid for a guy because they freaked out, um, you know, in, in 2017. Oh, this guy's available. We need to get him. We need to get him because he's not going to clear waivers and et cetera, et cetera. It ended up being fine because they, you know, when Sam Bradford goes down and you needed somebody else to be active, otherwise going into week two against Pittsburgh that year, you'd be scrambling trying to trade for somebody and, um, But he never played. He's never played in a regular season game. He's mostly inactive, um, except for very, very few instances in his career during the regular season. Yep. It's not like we haven't been. It's not like there's been something that's changed. Like this has been consistent throughout his entire time in Minnesota. Um, I kind of hope for his sake that he does get cut so he can go somewhere else and try to prove that, you know, he deserves a backup job. He's not a bad guy he's just not a great quarterback and that's you know that's the difference here i think that a lot of people are getting emotional over this i know for no reason i know you know why Um, you know why because people have
2: huge egos and they believe that they can watch one of these games and pick out a player and know he's great more than gary kubiak apparently well mike zimmer
0: shut it down very quickly today to show you that yes he has put up big numbers in games realize who he's doing it against, but that in no way, shape, or form means that the backup quarterback competition Mm -hmm. is close. If it was, we would know about it because we're out there every single day watching this stuff. Anybody on Twitter who has a podcast and five followers um, and five listeners actually... I don't want to hear it because you know you you're you're disparaging the coaching staff at that point saying they don't know what they're talking about um I have people I'm pretty who who are sure telling do. me that
2: Mike Zimmer deserves to be criticized for Scooping. not putting Slower as the number 2 quarterback when it's literally based on like 20 throws I mean, like, what is going on here? Even by pro football focus is metrics. So they're grades. I'm looking at quarterbacks right now. Matt Barkley is number one in terms of preseason quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah. Matt Barkley, you want him to be a franchise quarterback? Here's others that are ranked even ahead of Kyle Sloter, whose grades are fine. Josh Dobbs, Cooper Rush, Kyle Latella, Garrett Gilbert, someone named Jarrett Stridham. Have you heard of these people? Someone S- named. Sidham? T-
0: Tim, whatever. Yeah, Jared Stidham, it doesn't matter. But yes, I get Tim Boyle. Like, okay, here's, here's this is the preseason. Here's, people, here's what I'll say about this, and it's not to knock anybody's football intelligence. I think people and fans get hooked on like cult heroes. Yes, yes. And you don't you want to, It's a good story. It'd be a great story. Like, cool. He's got a shirt that says House on it. Um, you know, it'd be awesome. And it's just like people get so. Like Bucky Hodges, for example. Oh yes, like people oh, yes. are thrilled with him. I mean,
2: Mataafa, to some extent, Be- is the same way.
0: I mean, and why? Because because there's some some movie. What was it, the freaking Nutty Professor that like people talk about? Hercules, Hercules. And they hit it. <laughs> I get annoyed with it because you're yes. not putting football. You're not bringing football into the equation right. here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm getting hot about this, but let's put let's call facts what they are. He is playing against third stringers. Third stringers, and you're trying to tell me that that's what you want if Kirk Cousins goes down in a game? A guy who has no NFL experience in games. You want a that's third right. guy who's playing third stringers in the preseason? Who can't
2: get people lined up right?
0: Who cannot get people lined up right? Upright, and the the play clock is what Mike Zimmer's at eight, eight yards, yards, in, yards front in front of, of his face. Yes, he can't even tell. He can't even get that right. Stop with the cute names and, and the storylines and all that other BS. If if Kirk Cousins goes down, that is not the guy that who is with enough experience is ready to do this at a professional level.
2: When he has to face real defenses, yes, not vanilla defenses, not third string defenses. You real just sound defenses.
0: uneducated. The people who are like vying for this guy, acting like he's not been given a chance, blah blah blah. You sound uneducated. No, he's, been he's been given a ton of. He's chances. been given a ton of. He's been given. Three years of chances, and, and right? Don't, and don't tell me like, oh, well, you know, in practice it's set the way it is. If you're good, you will be able yep. to bypass somebody on the depth chart. Yep. If you are good enough. Clearly, he's not there yet. Maybe to no fault of his own, but that's just the way that the cards are dealt right now. And that's how it's going to be.
2: I, I think Sage Rosenfels put it really well when he said there are some times where... Part of the evaluation from a reporter or anyone on the outside has to be just believing that someone like Gary Kubiak knows how to evaluate two quarterbacks.
0: We'd look like complete morons if we would disparage somebody who has been to, what, seven Super Bowls as a coach and player? Something absurd like that? To say that he doesn't know what he's doing and can't evaluate talent? Like, yes. Let's look at Denver. John... Elway does not know how to evaluate quarterback talent. Look at the sample size. You can't fault Gary Kubiak completely for that. He found Trevor Simeon like well, any played, well, and he got the most
2: out of Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I mean, over the guy's like, career, he's worked with tons of quarterbacks yes. that he's consistently made better. Brian Greasy, Jake Plummer, Matt Schaub—all these guys. I mean, he's been around forever. He played the position. Kevin Stefanski was a quarterback coach with Kyle Sloter last year. Like Clint Kubiak, Clint was Kubiak his quarterback had him coach. in
0: Denver. Right? Gary I mean, was in Denver. He knows thing what was they have. On. That's just like what irritates me. Like, don't act like these people have no clue. They know what they have. They're missing something. They're missing something. Okay, like it, it's a cute thing for a while, but it clearly has not panned out. So it's time to end the argument. Like. I'm not writing about, oh, there might be, like, unless he yeah. does something miraculous this weekend, but I'm curious to see how much he's um, going to play if this is actually a dress rehearsal. Well,
2: unless he gets a second team rep. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think that he will be the backup quarterback or deserves to be when he has been here for this long and hasn't gotten a second-team rep ever. And I I said the other day that I think that based on these performances, there's reason to keep him around, but if they think they know exactly what they have and he can't even be a number 2 over Sean Mannion, who hasn't done a lot in the league but is a really bright guy and really knows the offense and the game super well, so if if there's no reason to even think he's the number three, then maybe they do go with Jake Browning, and maybe they put him on the practice squad instead. I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that has become really frustrating to constantly have people going after us, like criticizing us, saying, what what are you guys talking about? Criticizing Mike Zimmer for this when it's a number three quarterback. We're talking like playoffs, practice. Not talking about a game. Not talking about a real quarterback who matters. You're talking about a number three quarterback who what didn't even get drafted. Like, come on now.
0: No, it's just like, we spent. This was this was like I knew this was going to happen. I know. Though. I know. This is why it's so frustrating to me. Because, I knew this was going to happen. Because I just I'm tired of people liking somebody based off a story or a name or a shtick or some other BS that has nothing to do with playing on the field and being an actual quarterback. Like. I could, you know, remember we talked last week on the show, like, which player did you want um, to stay, like, with the Vikings during training camp? Again? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chunky Clements. Why? Because of his name in 2017. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, it's the same type were of thing. You are rooting hard for Chunky. And, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, like, I mean, Kyle's got an, int- whatever, it's not his name. It's just, like, the whole, I don't know, fan fan sites, bloggers, things like that. Like they get so latched onto these things, and it becomes it snowballs into something. Like he's better than he is. Well, what are you basing that on? You're just going off of what other people are saying, and you sound really not so smart doing it.
2: I also think there's probably a desperation for something um, interesting in preseason games because it's been boring. When a guy comes in and throws a five yard pass to Mike Boone, he runs for 45 yards, and then that looks like a 45 yard pass for the quarterback, Um, and then he has good numbers at the end of the game. Like, well, that's, it's something. It's something to latch onto. It's something to talk about. And I think everybody wants to be the person who watches a quarterback and says, in college, this is constant, watches a quarterback says, Oh, I know whether this guy's going to succeed or not. I mean, the reality from, we even see this with great quarterback classes is even some of the best prospects don't turn out how you think. Um, and, and a lot of it is not just, what type of numbers they put up in college or whatever else. It's how can they really grasp the game. And clearly from Slaughter in these exhibition games against third teamers, that's basically AAF level competition. He's not even grasping the offense after two years um, the way that they want him to. And and that's, and that's it. I mean, that's the end of the story. Like, I can't, I yeah. can't do this anymore. This is it. We yelled yeah. about it, and now it's over. And, and I'm never talking about it again. to clarify,
0: it was Sean Mannion with the 45-yard catch and pass. Uh, oh, was pass it? Okay, to, sorry. Catch My mistake. Run. So it wasn't even Sloter. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's Mike Zimmer's talking the other night about um, wanting to showcase Laquan Treadwell, which is a very obvious. Please, someone yes. trade us a yes. conditional seventh round pick for this guy because he has a guaranteed salary we do not want to pay. I am curious: could they possibly get anything for Sloter? A conditional seventh round pick? Anything?
2: I don't think so. Because
0: think about it, though: how often do teams cut quarterbacks on cutdown day? Kind of not all that often. Not Not all that often. Doesn't usually happen. So, like, maybe there's a chance. Maybe that's what you can hope for if you're on the Kyle Slaughter bandwagon, that he plays well enough in these final two preseason games that he could possibly get another opportunity via a trade. And if not, he's going to get cut, and he'll go somewhere else because they don't need two quarterbacks here. I don't think that – I just think it's –
2: Two backups, you mean?
0: Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Yeah, you don't need three quarterbacks in this – system. I mean, they are one of the few teams that did do that last year in the last few years. You just don't need it.
2: It will be interesting, though, because Zimmer clearly not sold. Kubiak's Stefanski clearly not sold, but the front office really wanted Slaughter to be here, so there might be some disagreement there. Um, okay, we're done. That's it. It's over. I'm not mentioning Kyle Slaughter again. Yeah, and uh, if you
0: slide into any of our mentions to just rag on us about this, then please consider what you're doing with your life and your time, because it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, it, it's...
2: It's gotten to be a little uh, on the overwhelming side. Like, as as fun as these debates can be, when you're saying people people who are on Twitter responding to Mike Zimmer's quote and saying that Zimmer is incompetent and doesn't know what he's talking about because he they think that a third quarterback should be playing based on a handful of throws that they've seen on TV versus everything the coaching staff knows. I just my other question is too like how many times has this team, this front office, this head coach how many times since Zimmer has been here, have they botched a player evaluation? Like when I was in Buffalo, it happened all the time. I think Cameron Wake was a guy that they had in camp or something, and then he goes on to be a superstar uh, all the time. They would have good players that they let go who were good elsewhere. Can we think of one player who this team has completely botched cutting? I mean, maybe Kurt Coleman in the first year, but are we really I mean, are we really thinking that?
0: You can think of guys that they let walk. Maybe they didn't pick up a fifth-year option. Uh, but there's reasons behind that. They didn't pick up Teddy's fifth-year option because they didn't know about his knee, and, and look at him now. Yeah, and you Cor- can't Cordero, say they botched that. Cordero was a different situation, like, completely.
2: But, uh, yeah, Cordero was coming off a year where he hadn't even played, really, because Nor- Norv wasn't putting him in when they had to decide on that fifth-year option. So, And even then, it's not like Cordero Patterson was a megastar for the Patriots last year. He's just a guy in the league with some exciting ability, but, but real a true, like, oh, they cut this guy, and what were they thinking, cutting blank? I can't think of anybody. so
0: I, Not I, off the top of my head. No. I, I think
2: we have to, in, in some ways, say they have an idea of what they're doing when they make these evaluations and usually get them right. So, anyway, all right, now, officially, closing the door, over. There's no competition. If there is one, then we will talk about it. If, at some point... Sloter plays number two reps if he is the backup. I'm Soon willing Cousins. to reopen
0: this argument. Absolutely, if um, it happens. And the thing is, did Mike Zimmer probably hurt Kyle Sloter's trade value in a roundabout way hurting the Vikings by saying what he said? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I still think that Sloter's ability out there kinda of speaks for itself. Um and, and who he's doing it against, you really have to I mean, teams are not dumb. They're not gonna be like, Oh, look at this hot commodity right? out yeah, there. Right. Like Football people are smart. They know what they're doing. They're employed for a reason. They know that the competition that he's playing against is not the same as what he could possibly see if someone goes down and he has to be the number two that's thrust in there in the game.
2: So I wrote about um, on our website, scorenorth.com, free website, by the way, about uh, PFF grades and what they said. Uh, about uh, the first two Vikings preseason games. And you are right to point out that a lot of it is small sample and don't get too super crazy with your takeaways and things like that. But one thing that I would say is a little concerning is Pat Elfline is the lowest-graded player on the whole team. And you're asking a guy last year to come back from an injury probably too fast where he was not 100%. And then this year you're asking him to change positions. This is after he looked like he was going to be a pretty solid center for a long time in 2017. I think we all felt that way. And now I'm a, I would say I'm a little concerned about how he's going to adapt to this guard position. I don't think it's as easy as snap your fingers. There's a lot of footwork and details that go into it. And I would say even though it's a small sample and uh, not that many snaps – it is concerning how he got worked the other night.
0: And, I mean, he hasn't played left guard. He hasn't played guard. I mean, he's a right guard in college. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. You have to, like, change the footwork in your head to literally flip your brain around. He did that four years ago now. Um, it's not as easy as saying, okay, just plug and play him over here. Like He's done it before. He'll be fine. I've been concerned about the interior of the offensive line all throughout camp. Now quarterbacks wearing the red jersey you really can't tell a lot of times as kirk mentioned the other day when i was asking him about his running abilities and just being able to improvise more go off script well it's tough to tell if like the defense records a sack or if kirk could have gotten away we will know the strength of the offensive line uh of the interior soon i have a feeling that that could very easily get exposed early on and yes don't take away so much from like some of these limit i mean they played 19 snaps together the right, other night right. that's fine um, that's about the sample size you expect from the starters in the second game. But you want to see way better yeah, than that. You I, don't want to see him be the worst was, player. There were the some team. times uh, but Puna Ford was just making Pat Alfine look not great. Yep. And um, I, I think that's a problem. So, I mean, that's something that if I'm looking at this third preseason game, because they'll play the first half, um, or at least you expect them to, I want to know how the interior is able to hold up. Like does Kirk get like does he get sacked? Does he feel the pressure up the interior? They have not given up a sack yet, but I would also say that's what's nineteen plus nine? Twenty-eight. Uh, that would be twenty eight, yes. twenty eight snaps that we're going off of here. It's not like a great body of work to, to evaluate. Well,
2: sorry, I hit the microphone with my hat. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, cave. no, totally agree. Now here's the question though. The question is that I've gotten on Twitter, and I think it's a fair question at this point, is there any chance that Brett Jones, who's played really, really well yeah. in preseason games, ends up at left guard?
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, that's a great question. I, I'm still so confused as to why he never played last year. What do the coaching staff know about his abilities or whether he was a liability to, to, to not play him at all? And that, to me, is something that I kind of struggle with. When you had Tom Compton, who was not good, and Mike Remmers was a disaster at right guard, that you didn't look to any of your depth pieces and say, hey, Brett Jones, we're going to plug you in at right guard this week. Maybe they should have last year. Like, I just don't know. I mean, he's a road grader for sure, and he's a squatty body is what Mike Zimmer called him. So... Was he not athletic enough? Did they not trust him to play anything other than center and they felt like they could get by with Pat Elfline? I don't know. This
2: is the concern. I mean, When when I went back, I remember watching the week one game and there were some zone runs where he just couldn't get to fast linebackers because he's just not fast. He's not a great athlete. But if you value the pass blocking higher, which you should, then maybe Brett Jones deserves to play if elf line doesn't look good. And again, it's worth saying over and over that it's a small sample and everything else, but at the same time, it it's doesn't instill confidence. No, yeah. and I mean
0: there's been moments in practice that elf line's gotten pushed around. Like it hasn't looked like, oh, this move to left guard, Bradbury at center, like the the left side of the line's completely solidified because you know what, what you're going to get with Josh Klein. I mean, you can hope for a miracle and hope that he can turn it around yeah. this season, but you kind of know that that's going to be your weaker unit. I mean, you have Brian O'Neill who has not been playing much the last two weeks because of the elbow injury, Mm -hmm. Um, and you just don't know on that side. But you should have more confidence with the left side of the line than you don't, and I think that that's something that you could very easily see in training camp, and now you're seeing it come out out in preseason games. That's concerning.
2: Okay, I uh, teased a potential receiver, and we forgot to get to it because –
0: we got we, a little hot on. We went
2: crazy, um, so we'll take a break. We'll be right back, and we will discuss one potential receiving option who is a veteran and might get cut, and then uh, what else stuck out for Mike Zimmer's press conference today at TCO Performance Center. Uh, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, we'll be right back here on Purple Daily.
1: Two fifty here at Score North Time for the Score North download. You just heard it in the last segment. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin talking about Mike Zimmer's comments about Kyle Sloter. So here are those comments.
2: I don't know that you guys know all of the little details about everything. You just see how he goes and does the game. So uh, he's got to get a lot better in a lot of the other parts of being a quarterback, um, making the right checks, getting the people in the right formation, making sure the motions are not not in the time clock when it's Eight yards in front of you, um, you know. There's a lot of things that he has to get better at if he wants to be the backup quarterback.
1: Well, what are your thoughts, Vikings fans? Looks like Sean Mannion is the number two quarterback with Kyle Solder not even in the competition anymore, or what it seems like according to Zimmer. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter at skornorth on Twitter. Since we are in the Score North download, something you can download from us is the Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's where Score North goes back in time and dives deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins and Tigers game 163, Twins and A's from the 2002 ALDS. Kevin Love's 30 and 30 game and Kevin Garnett's dominating game seven against Sacramento. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All
2: right, welcome back to Purple Daily uh, coming up a little later in the show, Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus. We'll talk about PFF's list 1 through ter- 32. They ranked all of the quarterbacks in the NFL, so we'll go over Kirk Cousins' ranking and uh, some other interesting things that come from that. I'll also get Eric's uh, response to kind of uh, what the PFF grades have said about the Vikings so far. All right, Courtney, Um I got this wide receiver. I remembered a tease to actually bring it up. This happens to me all the time where I say, "I'm next I'm going to talk about this, and then we get off on something else. But I've remembered this. Tory Smith of mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers. There are articles saying that he is on the bubble, that he might get cut, and I know that they don't have unbelievable receiver depth or anything in Carolina, so they might keep him. But I think this is the type of player that the Vikings – should be looking at as we get closer and closer to cutdowns is somebody like Aldrick Robinson who could step in pretty quickly because they're smart enough and they're a veteran a long time
0: Torrey's been in the league for oh yeah long time time.
2: yep long time so I think Torrey Smith being that he is a legitimate deep threat has a ton of experience he has played in Super Bowls or at least one Super Bowl I think did he win it with the Ravens or was he on I maybe he San Francisco? There.
0: Yeah, he was. He's well. He's on San Francisco in twelve. Or excuse me, no Ravens in the in the first Super Bowl. So he won. Okay, a so he won Super the Bowl Super Bowl, Bowl champion. Yeah, right. Um, and he was on the Eagles the year oh, that they won. That's right. So that's yeah. the other one.
2: So to me, that's a guy that they should be looking for when it comes to receiving options. I don't know if he's going to get cut for sure. He's been on lists of here's guys who could get cut yeah. potentially. But I think we're reaching like desperation level. And to just circle back to kind of where we uh, were before about the receivers and what you should be concerned about, that one, if you were having a debate, I think it'd be a pretty good one, whether you should be more concerned about receiver depth or cornerback depth. Corner, the argument would be, what if Xavier Rhodes just isn't that good this year? Mm -hmm. But receiver, it's what do they even do if Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen misses a game? Like, who's playing?
0: Well, I think the, the thing you hope for is that with like receiver number three and yeah it's bb right now but in th- in theory is irv smith going to be this wide receiver tight end combo right uh, that either is your three or your four you hope that his development comes along quick enough that he can do that and just beyond that i mean bc johnson has looked okay zilstra has looked okay um jeff Badette, like he hasn't really played much receiver, no. uh, but he's been good on special teams, so that might earn him a roster spot. I think he just hoped the fact that you never have to get to that, but it doesn't that nec- doesn't take away the fact that guys are gonna get doubled. Diggs and Thielen are going to face the same sort yep. of issues um with getting with the guys who are guarding them uh that they had last year in 2018. I mean, that's not gonna change. There's so much more tape on them at their elite level together that Teams have figured it out, and they're going to continue to figure out ways to take them out. So, you better hope that somehow BBA can stay healthy, and B gives you something more than just a third down threat. Because did, that, did it that's concern all we've you that he right ran now. the wrong
2: route the other night?
0: No, I think that that happens. He's a smart player, and I think that that's that's not something I'm really concerned about. If we see it happen multiple times, um, where they communicate, and maybe. Maybe the communication would have been better had it been Kirk Cousins throwing in the ball. Like maybe I mean he is he is playing with the first team offense. I'm yeah. Not saying that like he and Mannion shouldn't have be on the same page, but he's played more with Kirk. I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, because I don't think that it was entirely his fault. Like, I mean, we saw this happen in the Saints game when Diggs stopped running on his route. And so um yeah, that that I think was he
2: thought Cousins was going to go off schedule and then Cousins threw it to where Diggs was supposed to be, uh, on that one. This one, I think what happened is actually Seattle's second team was bad and he thought he was getting zone coverage yeah. because the was guy. trying
0: to read the linebacker. Right. Or, the guy
2: couldn't like, fight through to be a man. He got picked basically, which usually wouldn't happen to a starter. So instead he gets taken out and BB thinks that it's zone coverage. So that, yeah, that happens. Just a miscommunication. Um, before we wrap up for the hour. What's, uh, what's the Irv Smith confidence level? In fact,
0: we should do... A confidence index let's, for let's Irv do, Smith yeah, every week. Let's,
2: let's do that when we come back, actually. Okay. So let's keep this one short, and when we come back, we will discuss... Let's just go through some players who are of interest and confidence levels in them. When we return, we'll be right back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North.